the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. So, uh, Dr. Gork, I think the best way to start is the floor is yours. Tell us your opinion, your stance on what's happening in Ukraine and how we should think about it. Right. So uh, I don't want to disappoint you, but I, I'm not of the Lindsey Graham, you know, let's start World War Three variety of people when it comes to Ukraine. But for those who are not familiar with, with my background, I, I served as former strategist in the White House to President Trump. I am a legal immigrant to the United States, but my parents lived under a communist dictatorship. My father was actually betrayed by Kim Philby, one of the West's greatest double agents, arrested and tortured at the age of 20 and given a life sentence in a communist political prison. He was liberated by freedom-loving revolutionaries in 1956 and escaped to the West. So that's that's my perspective. That's what I bring to the table. But irrespective uh, Irrespective of that, let me be clear, Uh, Russia has not been provoked into a war. Uh, Russia uh, hasn't been surrounded by NATO and has deployed to save ethnic Russians and destroy, you know, bioweapons labs. Russia has been doing what it has always done, whether it was under the Tsars, whether it was the Soviet Union, or under uh, a a neophyte Tsar, and that is, of course, Vladimir Putin. This is the aggrandizing territorially of the Russian Federation from a man who, by the way, is a former KGB colonel. And I remember the good old days as a child of the Cold War when all conservatives hated all KGB colonels. The idea that he is some champion for the West standing up against globalists is utterly asinine. This is a man who persecuted Christians. This is a man who is creating his own globalism, but under the fiat of the Kremlin. And let's be clear here. Russia is doing what it always does, violence against civilians to create large amounts of Russian territory. And for the record, and please, my former MOS in the British Army, I was in the reserves, I was in an intelligence unit. You can look it all up now. It's unclassified. Vladimir Putin, since he became president, has been giving speeches, you can read in translation, that state not only is Ukraine an illegitimate non-state, so are the Baltic states and so are Poland, which are, of course, NATO nations. This isn't about some fight against Karl Schwab and the WF. This is Vladimir Putin trying to recreate a stunted version of the Russian Empire, not even the Soviet Union, but the Russian Empire. And as conservatives, we should be on the side that is fighting the Russian KGB colonel. By the way, that doesn't mean Kiev isn't corrupt. That doesn't mean that sending pallets, pallets of cash to Kiev is, is stupid. But we should, if 1776 meant something to conservatives today, guess what? This is Ukraine's 1776. So I agree with a lot of that. But I want to challenge on that last one that I wanted to do during our last conversation, which is I think you would agree, Dr. Gorka, that there needs to be, though, 
a lot of work put in before a country is ready for a 1776 moment, right? For example, Roger Williams, the, 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 the people need to want self-government and they need to prioritize virtue and piety. Do you get the sense that the Ukrainian government and people really have done the work that the American founders did leading into that with studying John Locke and putting that into great thought of George Mason's Declaration of Rights and forming small small governments of the colonies and then eventually having that boiling point over? I only say that because I think that all people eventually can realize the promise of 1776, but I don't think all cultures or countries are ready to immediately teleport to that moment. And I'm afraid that comparison, especially with Ukraine, is not exactly one-to-one. No, I agree it isn't one-to-one because we are the greatest nation on God's green earth and we are the only nation that was founded on the individual liberties bestowed upon us by being made in the image of our creator. There is, I mean, that, at that point, the analogy breaks down, but I'm not talking at the, of the qualitative mm-hmm. political economy or society or the volunteerism in Ukraine. I'm talking about an independent state. An independent state, by the way, that in 1995, the U.S. president, along with the British prime minister, vouched safe the independence of when we said, look, you may be now the third greatest nuclear power in the world with the dissolution of the Soviet Union, but you don't need those nukes, Kiev. Why don't you give those nukes back to the Kremlin and we will make sure you are safe? That was America's promise to Ukraine. And if Ukraine had those nuclear weapons today, there never would have been an invasion. Uh, So, you know, there is also the, the idea that this is a nation that simply has lost its independence, irrespective of its political culture or whether they've read the Federalist Papers, no nation, uh, we shouldn't agree to any nation being invaded rapaciously by another one and saying, well, you know what, they, they don't know the difference between uh, Hamilton and no, uh, Washington, I, therefore. I think you would agree that uh, the contention I'm making is I don't think the Ukrainian people are ready for self-government. I don't. They, they... I, 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 I think that's I don't I, we're not in the position to state that what, I, what, what, well, what allows me or you to say you don't deserve to have self-determination no, no, not deserve. that's 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 a different argument morally everyone deserves self-government you have to but want they it. were but they were a nation state Charlie. Right. So why, why? Just because somebody wants their terror. If, if you have a neighbor who has an IQ of, you know, uh, less than yours and hasn't gone to school and isn't, you know, mature and understands the Federalist Papers, do you get to take their house, Charlie? Well, no, no, no. That's not the argument. It's the argument is whether or not, first of all, the eastern part of Ukraine wants to be part of Russia, right? Uh, Anything that has to do with polling in eastern Ukraine is absolutely garbage. The idea that a nation that is under the control of Russian troops is going to have fair polling, especially after a million people have left that territory, uh, you can't make those assertions. But let's go back to your prior point. Do they not have uh, the right to self-determination as a nation that was independent? Well, no, of course they do. But the eastern part of Ukraine wants to be part of Russia. They speak but, Russian. So Russia, gets, Russia, Russia gets to take it by force. Well, was there not a peace deal in 2021 publicly put forward where Putin said we can have independent elections be part of that area, part of Russia? That, that the idea that we take on good faith anything a former KGB colonel says is risible. I mean, I, th- this is where, you know, I have problems with people talking about we have to emphasize 
peace. We have to have an off-ramp and we have to have negotiations. Really? You have negotiations with somebody who has not kept any promise from the Cold War, whether it was SALT-1, SALT-2, the Chemical Weapons and Biolabs Convention of 1972. These are not good faith actors. When when I worked for the Defense Department, I I used to tell the officers I was training, you need to know one thing about Moscow and the Kremlin, whether it's the Soviet Union, whether it's Putin today, this is an anti-status quo actor. They're not interested in nice peace treaties in Geneva or Vienna and stabilizing the situation. Why did they send 300 mercenaries to Syria when I was in the White House? Mercenaries, by the way, that President Trump had killed and which Putin didn't even mention afterwards because he was afraid of America then, because he wished to destabilize that part of the world and reap the benefits of that destabilization. The idea that any Anything Putin does is done. In, let's let's have a referendum. Let's have the people vote. What as we're bombing uh, the maternity clinics in Mariupol? It, it just it doesn't sit well. Um, what what do you think success looks like at this point in Ukraine? Yeah, the let's start with, uh, if you're not familiar with it, my favorite international podcast are a bunch of former left-wing stand-up comics who had enough with wokeness and have created something called Trigonometry. It's one of the best podcasts out there. It's based out of the UK. And one of the co-hosts is Konstantin Kissin, and he is a Jew whose dad was Ukrainian, his mom was Russian, he has family in Ukraine, he left the Soviet Union as a child, and he was on somebody else's podcast, will remain nameless, who was lecturing him about the need for peace talks and off-ramps and stopping the war. And this guy, who's been to Ukraine recently, who's half Ukraine, married to Ukrainian, who's Russian-Jewish, said, you can't have peace talks if both sides want to fight. And that's the kind of razor clarity that we need right now. You can't have any off-ramp or success in the classical Clausewitzian victory terms if both sides want to fight. Now, that's just a statement of fact. Ukrainians will fight not to the last man, Charlie. They'll fight to the last 12-year-old who can hold an AK. Why? Because they remember what Russia did to them in the 20s and 30s, the Holomador, 7 million Ukrainians starved to death by Stalin. So they'll fight to the bitter end. On the other side, you've got Vladimir Putin, who's got his reputation on the line, said that the greatest geopolitical tragedy of the 20th century was the loss of the Soviet Union. So for various reasons, he's going to fight. So right now, the best we can hope for, it's not victory, but the best we can hope for is the conflict de-escalates into what is called a frozen war, like Transdenistria, like South Ossetia, like Moldova, where the sides stop actively shelling each other every single day, but where there is no territorial gains made. Sadly, for the time being, that's the best we can hope for. Do you think us supplying weapons get us closer to that or get us more towards kinetic conflict? So when it comes to supplying weapons, this is this is really this is hugely important. Right at the beginning of the war, I wrote an analytic piece. I think it was uh, for Breitbart. And, And what I said back then, 10 months ago, hasn't changed today. The idea that we should be sending that anybody, the Germans, the Brits or the Americans should be sending Western weaponry to Ukraine and cash is insane. This is a former republic of the Soviet Union. 
What they need is Soviet-era equipment, which is standing in stockpiles in former Warsaw Pact nations like Hungary, like Poland, the Baltic states and Romania. They need to divest. This is the Polish deal. Remember the Polish deal? Poland said, we've got MiG-29s. We'll give them to Ukraine if America backfills. Biden says yes, and then 48 hours later, because he's a feckless, senile old git, changes his mind. So they should be supplied equipment they know how to use, not Abrams tanks that nobody in Ukraine has ever driven, that have... 19 different types of oil to run them and that need a resupply chain from America. No, give them Soviet air equipment that we don't want anyway. Give them ammunition. And lastly, just because we have a dominance in ISR, in intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance when it comes to military satellites, give them the target packets to hit the Russians that are on their territory where it hurts. That's the best that we should do and let them fight their 1776. No U.S. troops, no U.S. material, because it makes no strategic sense. So, but the we are sending tanks and we are sending weapons yeah. And, yeah. and funding. And so your position is more nuanced that it should be, we should try to do this prudently. But I suppose, Dr. Gorka, one of the reasons I'm so entrenched in my position that we should have no involvement, no aid, is I don't trust any of the military elite right now. <laughs> Milley, you, you, yeah, that, that is very reasonable. That, that when you have a uh, overweight chairman of the Joint Chiefs who has admitted calling <laughs> up his uh, counterpart in Communist China, General Li, when, when we were in the Trump administration, saying, don't, don't worry about my boss, the president. If he does anything with China, I'll give you a heads up. I mean, that, that's treason. That man should be in the brig in shackles, not in, not in the highest military position in the United States. We've heard in the last 48 hours that of the balloon flights across America when we were in the White House, we weren't told either by Secretary Mattis or by Mark Milley, again, derelictions of so the, the lack of trust of our military above, the, let's be clear here, I've worked with the U.S. military for decades, above the rank of 05 is warranted. Anybody above mm-hmm. 06, 05 is a problem. But that doesn't mean that Russia invading other countries isn't a geopolitical problem that we are going so to have to deal with. It's, that, that, <clears throat> that, that's what I want to pick up on after the break. You know all about radio yeah. breaks, uh, Dr. Gorka. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I want to I want to. Have you tried to convince me why that is a geopolitical threat, why a border dispute thousands of miles away matters, not justifying Putin's invasion of a sovereign country, but why does that matter to our national security? Make the case as to why this tangled and complicated dispute war is a pressing and urgent national security concern for our country. First, before I do that, uh, we don't get to do this often enough. You know, I'll have Dennis on my show when he writes an amazing op-ed. I'll have Dinesh if he does a new movie. But we need to do this more often. And whilst I am on your show because uh, it's easier for me to do it, everybody out there, I don't care who you are, where you live, you need to support Turning Point USA. It is perhaps the most important organization in America that is taking back our high schools and our colleges. So God bless you, Charlie. What you've done in the last eight years is remarkable. Um, Let let me start with um, a question to you. If this were 1940, would you have supported the Lend-Lease to the Soviet Union? Uh, No. 
You, really? Which, which land? I'm, I'm sorry. The land lease to the Soviet, Soviet Union and the Brits. So during World War II, that we, we, we sent about $750 billion worth of weapons to the Soviet Union, which was not exactly a, you know, a, 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 a republic of re- representative democratic principles. Would it ha- what, did it make sense to stand up to a bully back in 1940? So you're talking about empowering the Soviet unions against Hitler? So the Soviets against Hitler? Is that no, I'm, I'm talking about I'm not the as familiar with the details. That, so, so let, I'll, I'll let be me, very honest. Let, I'm let not me, as let me make you very familiar simple. with this. So. so let me make it very simple. Why we do what we do today in the terms I discussed, I'm not talking about M1 Abrams and pallets of cash, but providing the means for the Ukrainians to fight for themselves. Why that is actually a national security interest of the United States is very simply because of uh, what you remember from your childhood at school. If a bully is permitted to get away with bullying, they will proceed to keep on bullying. Uh, you can remember a bully from this, you know, the playground at school. The only time a bully stopped bullying is when somebody st- stood up to them and gave them a bloody nose. That's when a bully stops. Sure. When you have somebody who is a remnant, a relic, a dinosaur of the Cold War, who says the loss of the Soviet Union is the greatest tragedy that we have faced, invades another country and then states repeatedly that the other countries bordering that nation are illegitimate, have no right to exist, that that is a a state of affairs that America will not be able to stay out of, even if you believe in neo-Buchananite, Tucker-esque uh, isolationism. When if, if they landlock the bottom, if Mariupol is landlocked across Russian-controlled territory and there is no uh, way to actually send the goods from Ukraine Ukraine to North Africa, then there will be an absolute disaster in terms of starvation on the African continent that will, again, be something America can't stay clear of. It's like saying it doesn't matter to us. These nations can can, can collapse and there will be no consequences. There will be consequences. No, just to make sure I understand, because I don't think I I totally know the (laughs) issue as well as I I probably should. Can you just... uh, Educate me on the land, the lend lease you mentioned of who we lended weapons to and what was the context there? So when, when we supported, for example, when we sent, we said we're not going to get involved in war, but we sent uh, huge amounts of equipment. Most of the trucks the Soviet Union used were from the United States. Got and when it. we sent okay. Tommy guns to the UK before Pearl Harbor, we were providing huge amounts of armaments to nations that were five, six, seven miles, thousand miles away to fight a threat to them. Was that wrong prior to Pearl Harbor? No, no. But were we sending them to Soviet Russia? Is that what you were saying? We we were sending arms to to Soviet Russia. Absolutely. Okay. No, that that's where I got confused because I said, aren't we now supposed to fight Russia? The, in the uh, no, the, the, the context is different because the enemy the enemy back then was the Third Reich. Uh, I mean, understandably, the no, no, that, that's but, where, it, but it amplifies the point. Well, Soviet Russia is it was not a democracy. It's like no, you know, it okay, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine is corrupt. I, I get it. Well, wasn't the Soviet Union a well, little no, no, bit more No, I just want to make corrupt? sure I understand. So you're saying in some sense that Vladimir Putin is similar to the Nazis and Adolf Hitler? 
No, I'm saying that you supply aid to those who are being intimidated, bullied, and okay, invaded, it, irrespective, irrespective of the quality internally of those nations' sure, and that, that's, governments. That's part of real politic. I get that. Yes, but didn't, didn't, absolutely. But, but didn't Bingo. lend. But didn't lend lease. Didn't lend lease eventually get us into the war? Well, I think Pearl Harbor got us into the war. Okay, so I, I think you know tro troops on the ground was when J Imperial Japan killed Americans on U.S. soil. But supplying weapons and getting involved, despite multiple provocations, Hitler declaring war in America, didn't it get us closer to getting involved? Well, I think it was inevitable because when you're facing somebody who wants to have domination of the Eurasian landmass, uh, America probably should be on a side of that that isn't supporting him. So whether we gave one Tommy gun or a million Tommy guns is irrespective. When you have a, a nation that says, I want to own the Eurasian landmass, if you read Spikeman, Mackinder, the Rimland, the Heartland, you know that there are certain actors whose actions will not be... Uh, iris will not touch upon American national interest in a way that is nugatory. So, you know, the, the Hitler or the Soviet Union sooner or later will be America's problem. And, and, and the last point that I'd, I'd make with regards to the Ukraine, and this is where I, I find it really galling that anybody who says they're a conservative says, we don't care, pull down the shutters on the Atlantic coast, pull down the shutters on the Pacific and, and let the rest of the world rot, rot in hell. What would Ronald Reagan say about the Ukrainians fighting for their freedom? Uh, you, know, if, you know, if you look at his willingness to stand up to communism everywhere, you would say that Reagan wouldn't exactly call a KGB colonel a champion for what, the West or anti-globalism? So let, let's remember, if we are a shining city on a hill, we need to be a shining city on a hill at all times. And also when it comes to external assistance to Ukraine, this nation where I'm sitting right now would still be part of the British Commonwealth. It would be a colony of the UK if France hadn't assisted us. The nascent revolutionary forces, if they hadn't been assisted by French naval blockades, 1776 never would have happened. So the idea that helping another nation fight for its own territorial integrity is by dint of history not justified, America wouldn't have existed without assistance from the outside. Do you think $100 billion has been too much? Oh, I think it's insane. I think it's utterly, utterly insane. The, the fact that we have spent more on Ukraine than we have in Afghanistan since 9-11 mm -hmm. is unconscionable. And, and the idea, the broader point is, and this is one that you have hammered out on, on your podcast frequently, there was no debate, Charlie. Yes, how is it? That, you know, Steve, I don't know if Steve coined the term, but we have a uniparty. Mm -hmm. Apart from those 20 people around the speaker's debate, we have this massive, amorphous uniparty debate. What, how much aid are we going to give? Uh, is nuclear war okay? Is tactical nukes okay? The idea that has nary been any debate in America is inexcusable. So... I think you can understand my position, though, Dr. Orger, not just the incompetency of the military elite or brass, but I'd also have this bubbling up frustration of the pace, the focus that Congress puts on this particular yeah. border crisis and not our own, which does animate, honestly, some of my rejection to just want to get further involved, which could end up being a quagmire because it seems like the foreign policy establishment wants – to get involved in, let's just say, theaters of conflict that don't always have 
inevitable right. endings for profits or for whatever other reason. But I suppose I just I do want you to without you know without mentioning the land the land lease thing, which I understand. But why is it an urgent national security threat to us? Out and the bully argument, I got that. But why is Putin taking over Ukraine a threat to Rhode Island? Because it won't it won't stop with Ukraine. Uh, and and it will escalate to NATO nations. NATO nations that, by the way, we helped create that club. It is a club of free countries. And the idea that Poland doesn't have a right to exist because a former KGB colonel says so, that's not something we can ignore. Either we created NATO in 1949 as a club of Western civilization, of nations that agreed together to stand together, or it was a con, it was a fraud, and we didn't mean it, and the Soviet Union wasn't a threat. I don't subscribe to the latter. But your prior point is very well taken, and I completely subscribe to the to the frustration that we can send, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars and it doesn't matter. And we look at the fact that we are the only nation in the world today that has no border regime. I, on my last Newsmax show, I did a very simple back of the envelope calculation. And I went to the official statistics. Since World War II, if you add every combat fatality of the U.S. armed forces, so Korea, Vietnam, the GWAT, so every, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq, combined every war we have fought in since 1945 has led to the deaths of 103,000 combat service men and women, 103,000 in 70 years. In the last 12 months, 110,000 have died of fentanyl poisoning in America. So, yeah, I, I understand mm -hmm. the frustration, but that doesn't mean Russia invading other countries on the periphery of our NATO that we helped create can be ignored. That's all I'm asking for. Sure. No, and I, I make no question of the moral sense. It's wrong for a strong country to invade a smaller country and a weaker one. However, saying that it's an urgent national security threat, and I guess the final point, though, Dr. Gorka, is if he wouldn't stop there, he's struggling to even take over Ukraine. So what's to say that he would go to Warsaw? Well, this is, you know, this is, this is where I'm glad you said that because you had, you had a guest on your show just a few days ago who said that, that Ukraine has lost already or Ukraine is on the brink of collapse. Yeah, uh, let's, let's be true. Let's be factual about this. Russia was ranked second in military power in the world uh, before this war started. Ukraine was ranked 22nd. Thanks in part to our assistance and the Brits and the Germans, they have pretty much managed to fight Russia to a standstill, that doesn't mean he won't try. The fact that it's been difficult doesn't mean he says, oops, sorry, I, I, I finally recognize the Baltic states and I recognize Poland. If he can, he will, because that's the nature of a KGB colonel. But at the end of the day, you're right. Uh, you so know, God bless the Ukrainians. Do They've you, done pretty well. Do you think Ukraine should be part of NATO? No, I don't think they're ready for that. Uh, no, no. So NATO, the, the NATO accession principles are very clear. Any nation that has representative government in the Eurasian region can join NATO if, if it has a functioning representative government and if the nation can contribute to the collective defense of the whole. Ukraine doesn't satisfy either of those. It doesn't have a well-functioning representative uh, democracy, and it doesn't have the capacity to uh, substantively contribute to the collective defense of the North Atlantic Treaty area. If it did, that would be another question, but it doesn't. 
Dr. Sebastian Gorka, about 20 seconds. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm so glad we did this. Um, I, I want us to have more sophisticated national security debates on the right. It's not isolationism versus invade everywhere. There is a happy medium. Educate yourselves. Read a bit of Clausewitz. Read a bit of Sun Tzu. And uh, let's have a discussion on all platforms. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.